0: Well, a new report is out today. It is called BC Seniors Falling Further Behind. It takes a look at the financial challenges facing BC Seniors. And joining us to talk more about what is in this report is Isabel McKenzie, BC Seniors Advocate. Thank you so much for being with us today.
1: My pleasure. Good afternoon.
0: Can you tell us a little bit, first, of, first off, what were you looking at as far as uh, f- finances and, and financial challenges when it comes to BC Seniors?
1: Well, the first thing we looked at is what are what are the incomes of seniors in the province? And I think uh, it was very surprising to find that basically almost half uh, currently it's about forty five percent of BC seniors live on an income that's less than minimum wage. So you know that has to sink in a bit. that's that's almost half of our seniors are living on an income that is less than minimum wage, and about six percent of the labor force overall uh, lives on minimum wage. And when you look at the median income, so that means half of the people are below that amount, and half of them are above it. The median income for a senior in British Columbia is just over uh about thirty just over thirty thousand dollars a year and When we look at the prime working age the thirty five to fifty five year olds in the province it's a sixty six percent higher median income it's over fifty thousand. And so, you know, seniors uh, clearly are struggling with the same expenses around food. The people who rent have the same rental challenges and all of the other costs uh, that we're struggling with. And they're struggling with uh, paying for those costs on significantly lower incomes than most of the rest of us. And when we look at seniors incomes, though,
0: are, do we not also look at uh, a senior making an income isn't the same as, say, somebody who's 40 and making an income? If, if you are retired, perhaps, and, and you have savings or retirement plan, are you looking at, at kind of the whole financial picture of seniors or are these seniors that, that are dependent on whatever income they're still making for the things that you just mentioned, housing and for the, the things that, that people need?
1: Well, the incomes we're looking at, those are their total incomes. So any investment income they're getting, any private pension income getting, that's all included in this uh, uh you know, less than minimum wage income. Um, the fact is, uh you know, for the story for about half of the seniors in British Columbia is they don't actually have a lot of additional income beyond their government pensions. Uh, clearly, uh, they have some uh, income beyond their, their pension income, the CPP and the OAS and the GIS, uh, but not a lot more. And 25% of seniors in this province are living on less than $21,000 uh, a year. They really only have their government pensions to to depend on. And I think the other thing we have to recognize is that when you're older, it could be argued, you know, we, I'm, I don't have kids anymore, and oftentimes the mortgage is paid off, not for the 20% of seniors who rent, however. Um, but there are other costs. So we don't have any program in B.C. Uh, that has these extended health benefits. So if I'm this senior on a minimum wage income uh, and I, I am paying – totally out of my own pocket, the total cost for my dental care, if I need uh, a walker, a raised toilet seat, uh, um, eyeglasses, hearing aids, I've got to pay the total cost of that myself. And what is clear uh, is that for the majority of BC seniors that don't have a private benefit plan, uh, they're going without a lot of these things that they need.
0: And and that's uh, got to be quite alarming when you talk about things like that. Uh, and I know it's it's mentioned in the report things like hearing aids or eyeglasses or, as you mentioned, walkers uh, and things. And 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 that must be an alarming, or it
1: sounds like an alarming number that so many are going without. It it is alarming, and I think the challenge with the poverty amongst seniors is it is less visible. Um, so what you're seeing are a lot of seniors who are living in their one-bedroom apartments or uh, the house that's, you know, not getting the repairs it needs because they can't afford the repairs, Um, and they're quietly going on about their lives and we're not realizing uh, they need hearing aids and can't afford them, Uh, they need a new pair of eyeglasses and they can't afford them, Um, they need some equipment in the house and they can't afford it. And before you know it, we're going to find that somebody who's getting on in years, they're into their mid- and late 80s, uh, is going, I just can't afford to live independently anymore, and I'm going to move into long-term care because it's less expensive for me to go there than to try and stay in my own home, pay this exorbitant rate we charge people for their publicly subsidized home support, um, and all of the other costs that get covered when I'm in long-term care. And the data for British Columbia do support that we've got a lot of low-care needs seniors living in long-term care. Now, there'll be a variety of reasons for that, but one of the reasons is going to be clearly the economics for the person is compelling to move into long-term care, although the economics for the taxpayer would be more compelling to support them in the community.
0: Right. And also, and this isn't a knock at all against long term care, but I can't imagine anybody going into it doesn't seem like that should be the option or that would be anybody's preferred option. If you could choose to stay at home with maybe some support at home, if you didn't need to be in long term care, uh, going there only because of finances seems uh, like absolutely not the right thing.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, there are always going to be people who are going to need long-term care. And there are going to be people who, you know, on balance, are going to actually prefer that to living in their own home uh, at a certain point uh, in the aging process for them. That's not the majority. The majority of people do want to live at home. And as we age, uh, we're going to need some support to do that. And we think there's more support out there, uh, more affordable support than there really is. Uh, I have talked before about this uh, daily rate we charge for home support, but, you know, to reemphasize that a senior who's living on $28,000 a year, so that's well below minimum wage, actually. Minimum wage is about $33,000 a year. A person living on $28,000 a year who needs just a a 45-minute-a-day visit from home support to get them up in the morning and get them their medications, we are going to charge that person $8,800 a year of their $28,000 income for that 45-minute daily visit of home support. That alone is what is driving some people into long-term care.
0: And like you said, not, good for, not only not good for the senior, but also not good for taxpayers or tax dollars as far as how much it's costing
1: us. That's true. You know, it costs about $75,000 a year to keep somebody in long-term care. The bulk of that comes from the government. Now, because everybody in long-term care does contribute, they pay proportionate to their income, uh, um, uh, the cost of care up to a certain threshold. But the majority of that $78,000, particularly for lower-income and modest-income seniors, that's being paid for by government, and we would be far further ahead to be supporting people. So if they're renters, we have to support them with their rent and obviously with their home support. If they're homeowners, we need to support them with their uh, costs related to their home support services and their other health care needs.
0: Uh, the report also makes a number of recommendations, and kind of going off what you just said there. What, what do you think are the top recommendations or what could be done um, even in the short term, or maybe not even in the short term? What do you think needs to be done then to address this?
1: I think the two biggest issues, uh, well, there's probably three of the biggest issues that stand out. Um, Without a doubt, we have got to um, basically uh, redesign the Shelter Aid for Elderly Renters SAFER program. Um, It is uh, in no way, shape, or form delivering on the principle of 30% of income for rent. You know, a, a SAFER recipient living on a, paying an average rent in Vancouver is paying over 60% of their income on rent. We, we really have to look at that. The other thing we have to do is deal with this uh, daily rate for home support. Uh, we are one of the provinces that char- all provinces do not charge for it, particularly Alberta and Ontario don't charge for their home support. We do. Some provinces also have some fee. We have the highest. We have to get rid of that. And then the other thing is we have to have some kind of extended benefit program for seniors. Most other provinces have some. So this is around dental care, which may uh, event, may actually be uh, addressed in the federal program. I've encouraged the province to coordinate with the federal government on a dental program but it's the things like the hearing aids and the eyeglasses and the equipment that you need in home. Sometimes it's simple things. And, you know, if you've got a good income, you don't think about the cost of, you know, $150 for a raised toilet seat, or, you know, it's going to cost me four or $500 to get grab bars and get them installed in the shower so I don't fall. But when your income is so low, twenty-four, twenty-five thousand $25,000 a year, these costs start to become prohibitive. So we need That sort of extended benefit type program, and it can be a premium people pay based on their income, um, that's going to allow seniors to receive in the community, commensurate with their income, the same kind of benefit they would receive in long-term care and get away from this financial incentive uh, to to move into long-term care. So something like a
0: um, like a Pacific Blue Cross or something like a, an insurance program that would cover those things.
1: Yes, I've often thought about um, and, and have voiced an opinion that you know if we looked at some kind of uh, program actually for all British Columbians, arguably not just seniors, but but my focus is seniors uh, that had a premium that you paid that was on a sliding scale relative to your income. And what that would mean is that those uh, who are unable to afford premiums wouldn't pay them, and those who were able to afford premiums would. Um, we have other programs. That is, that is a version of how our uh, pharmacare program works, for example, how we, we, we are expecting people to pay up to 3% of their income for their medications. So the more income you pay, the, the, the more you pay. The less income you have, the less you pay. And I think we could take that kind of approach to funding a core suite of extended health benefits. Most of the provinces and territories have some of the extended health benefits covered. Uh, British Columbia actually has the lowest coverage uh, when you look across the country.
0: Hmm. I, I did not realize that. Um, one other point in the recommendations has to do with a, a bus pass. and I think people would would think of handy dart perhaps as a service that a lot of seniors or some seniors would use. But this would be then an even more subsidized bus pass then for seniors province-wide.
1: Yes, the, the the recommendation currently, uh, seniors who get the Guaranteed Income Supplement, the GIS, uh, which are are really low-income seniors, so those are folks whose incomes are less than twenty-six thousand a year. Um, they do get this annual forty-five dollar a year bus pass, and that's great. It doesn't cover Handy Dart, however. So every Handy Dart round trip is about $5.50, I think, in the Lower Mainland. So if you're making three trips a week, you know, that's starting to add up on Handy Dart. So it could be folded into the annual bus pass that we give for people on GIS. And then I think it's worth looking at, do we want a, a provincial bus pass that seniors can access? Because right now every jurisdiction is different and some have seniors discounts and some don't. And again, it would be a uh, you know what you pay uh, based on your income because right now, if you're on the GIS, you get the $45 a year bus pass. If your income is $1 over the threshold, so you you don't get GIS, you go from $45 uh, a year to $800 a year for the bus pass in your local jurisdiction on average. Um, so we sort of we could smooth that out a bit um, and maybe also uh, encourage seniors to start using transit earlier uh, before they've stopped driving, which I think would facilitate their ease of using it uh, when they no longer want to drive.
0: All right. Well, very interesting findings and recommendations. We'll leave it there for today. But Isabel McKenzie, thank you so much for your time.
1: Thank you for your interest. I appreciate it.